we gonna let them take anything they want? Why do we even listen if they say it's for the best? Why do we give them power to dole out every breath? How long we gonna let them poison us to death? We've grown so accustomed to these velvet bonds We wanna close our eyes and think that it won't end like that It's other people's babies dying in some forgotten land But I can't hear their mothers cry over my favorite band They tell us at the ballots cast that we change it if we would but here's a choice we're given cause the money talks so fast. The right wing is a rapid broil, the left's a nice slow roast. And in the end the vampires, they end up with the most. Greed's become a virtue, everybody wants their peace. Who cares who pays the price we say as long as I get mine? Yeah, maybe we are running out of what we used to love. The trees, the flowers that we dream, the pretty skies above. Wake up, wake up, it's not too late. And that was Willem Van Spronsen, uh, recorded live at the Strawberry Festival. I'm not sure even what the title of that track was, but uh, I think it was important to lead this episode off with it. Greetings and welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a soundtrack for the resistance, a topical solution for the political revolution. I want to hear from you, so if you like what you hear, or if you don't, you can send me a message. You can email me at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at polyrical, and you can go to the website polyrical.com, where you'll find all the back episodes, and you'll find links to make a donation. You can make a one-time donation or a recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. Here is the truth off of the people's music. This is the real history part two. Real history, real history part two. Where the first one left off, 
to the present. Eight hour work days was one in a fight of a hundred thousand workers in a three month strike. The day was late 1872 and just five years after, working people fought back with mass strikes and rich masters. Massive railroad strikes then exemplified rich versus poor like today's two Americas still immersed in war. In 1884, Grover Cleveland ran for president. The press ignored issues, superficial questions were prevalent. Ben Harris, next president of the snakes of the nation, was a lawyer and a soldier for the railroad corporation. Fought in courts and led soldiers attacking strikers at the stations. Workers would continue to fight as one for workers' rights. The risk continued with militias shooting guns into the strikes. The Spanish-American War was just the U.S. wanting more resources. The U.S. took over more sources. They took PR and Cuba, where occupying forces. They said they did it for people's freedom from Spain, who used to lead them. Took Hawaii and the Philippines. Same scam, the same season. The president said he had to do it to civilize and Christianize them and keep the lands from Germany, who were their business rivals in business. Conquering land for resources the quickest. It's a twisted, capitalistic, evil plan for more riches. School, they teach you just a pledge of allegiance. It's a book I read, you gotta go get so you can read it. It shows how this mess was created in the place, face of people's history of the United States. In 1910, socialist organizers said, With clarity for change, we need to reign solidarity. One general strike will stop the rich if we unite and fight the system. By nothing, this corporation's driven. A hundred years back, the socialists showed they had to act. That a hundred years later could still change the world's behavior. Roosevelt's New Deal in the 30s made reforms. Most think they're to help, but these reforms are born Just to make sure their system stays in place and is formed 35 to help the poor to stop rebellion and ensure a solution To avoid a real revolution The rich never want equality, if you're for it then the penalty Like socialists and communists, they'll call you the enemy Still blacks in this nation live with facts of segregation And socialists and communists fought against discrimination The race in World War II was to stop Hitler's evil But who would stop the U.S. from colonizing foreign people? The U.S. pardon, it was started not from Jews being targeted but a bombing by Japan, a chance of losing foreign markets And getting the Middle East plans for oil so they could foil Britain's hold on this direction Make it the U.S.'s investment When peace came, U.S. dominance of the world was the essence Like before, it was based on U.S. plans for taking more It's a cycle they implore before they leave for foreign wars You've been listening to The Real History brought to you by The Truth. We'll be back right after this message from our corporate sponsor. Yeah, after right. World War II, they created the United Nations to prevent future wars and ensure cooperation. But it was dominated by England, the U.S., Russia, and France, the rich country, which gives poor countries less than a chance. In 42, the U.S. put Japanese Americans in camps. Hitler was an evil race, but U.S. forces were segregated. The Red Cross had separated black and white blood donations. He overthrew the U.S.-backed dictator in 1959 in Cuba, which is why they hate Castro to this time. Bad for U.S. business interests Castro had Batista finish In the 60s, blacks got the right to vote in elections But it never stopped racism or poverty's direction In Harlem, blacks have voted for years But didn't cheer cause it's stung Lived packed in the rat-infested slums 69, Fred Hampton was shot in his sleep and died Shot about a hundred times by COINTELPRO The FBI The civil rights movement when finished Didn't witness the biggest problem of course Which is the poor and rich divisions In school, they teach you just a pledge of allegiance It's a book I read, you gotta go get so you can read it shows how this mess was created in the place Face of people's history of the United States Vietnam wasn't for freedom, it was for the Asian commodities For monopolies, the U.S. committed many grave atrocities That war they would lose it to a small country In the presence of the anti-war movement Nixon couldn't refute it Thought Carter would make change with intervention and attention But he approved a trillion dollars for military spending Gave military aid to dictators with slaves Reagan and Bush said they'd improve the economy Which is a shorthand term for maneuvering for monopolies in 84, a quarter of the nation's children lived in poverty. They used 
fear The Russians were coming here with atrocities In 2009, now they don't want it in their hands But Reagan sold them the weapons that's in the land of Iran In fact, they had even sold weapons to Iraq And years before the Gulf War and that war showed on the surface That to the ruined class that an Arab's life is worthless 96, Bill Clinton provided billions for building prisons He refused creating jobs to make a living to be given And approved 250 billion a year that went to spend On building military weapons The friend in Bush to the end By 97, USO weapons more abroad than all other nations combined Living in the same system in 2009 It's always time to uprise and learn the truth about their lies In school they teach you just a pledge of allegiance This is a book I read, you gotta go get so you can read it It shows how this mess was created in a place Face of people's history of the United States Rich people who chose to colonize and exploit other people Started and still own the government The nation's wealth, its laws, its courts, its police Its newspapers, magazines, TV stations, churches, and colleges Yet the people have always rebelled We continue to, we always will The topic this episode isn't a traditional topic. It's not just some issue or some item that I've chosen to cover and share some music about. Um, it's it's a farewell. It's a, a, a farewell message from Willem Van Spronsen. Willem Van Spronsen died in an assault on a private detention center. In Washington, D D uh, Washington State, not Washington D.C. Uh, in Washington State, and when he did so, he left behind this message as a farewell. And I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna read through the message in its entirety. Then I'll go, then I'm gonna play some songs that I find related to what is in Will's message. There's wrong, and there's right. It's time to take action against the forces of evil. Evil says one life is worth less than another. Evil says the flow of commerce is our purpose here. Evil says concentration camps for folks deemed lesser are necessary. The handmaid of evil says the concentration camps should be more humane. Beware the centrist. I have a father's broken heart. I have a broken down body. And I have an unshakable abhorrence for injustice. That is what brings me here. This is my clear opportunity to try to make a difference. I'd be an ingrate to be waiting for a more obvious invitation. I follow three teachers. Don Pritz, my spiritual guide. Love without action is just a word. John Brown, my moral guide. What is needed is action. Emma Goldman, my political guide. If I can't dance, I don't want to be in your revolution. I'm a head in the clouds dreamer. I believe in love and redemption. I believe we're going to win. 
I'm joyfully revolutionary. We all should have been reading Emma Goldman in school instead of the jingo drivel we were fed, but I digress. We should all be looking at the photos of the YPG heroes, should we falter and think our dreams are impossible. But I double digress. Fight me. In these days of fascist hooligans preying on vulnerable people in our streets in the name of the state or supported and defended by the state, in these days of highly profitable detention concentration camps and a battle over the semantics, in these days of hopelessness, empty pursuit, and empty yearning, we are living in visible fascism ascendant I say visible because those paying attention watched it survive and thrive under the protection of the state for decades. See Howard Zinn, A People's History of the United States. Now it unabashedly follows its agenda with open and full cooperation from the government, from governments around the world. Fascism serves the needs of the state, serves the needs of business, and at your expense. Who benefits? Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Tim Cook, Bill Gates, Betsy DeVos, George Soros, Donald Trump. And need I go on? Let me say it again. Rich guys who think you're not really all that good really dig government. Every government, everywhere, including quote, communist governments, because they make the rules that make rich guys richer. Simple. Don't overthink it. Are you patriots in the back paying attention? When I was a boy in post-war Holland, later France, my head was filled with stories of the rise of fascism in the 1930s. I promised myself that I would not be one of those who stands by as neighbors are torn from their homes and imprisoned for somehow being perceived as lesser. You don't have to burn the motherfucker down, but are you going to just stand by? This is the test of our fundamental belief in real freedom and our responsibility to each other. This is a call to patriots, too, to stand against this travesty, against everything that you hold sacred. I know you. I know that in your hearts you see the dishonor in these camps. It's time for you, too, to stand up to the money pulling the strings of every goddamn puppet pretending to represent us. I'm a man who loves you all and this spinning ball so much that I'm going to fulfill my childhood promise to myself to be noble. Here it is in these corporate for-profit concentration camps. Here it is in brown and non-conforming folks afraid to show their faces for fear of the police, Migra, Proud Boys, the boss, Beckys. Here it is a planet almost used up by the market's greed I'm a black and white thinker. Detention camps are an abomination. I'm not standing by. 
I really shouldn't have to say any more than this. I set aside my broken heart and I heal the only way I know how, by being useful. I efficiently compartmentalize my pain and I joyfully go about this work. To those burdened with the wreckage from my actions, I hope that you will make the best use of that burden. To my comrades, I regret that I will miss the rest of the revolution. Thank you for the honor of having me in your midst, giving me space to be useful, to feel that I was fulfilling my ideals has been the spiritual pinnacle of my life. Doing what I can to help defend my precious and wondrous people is an experience too rich to describe. My trans comrades have transformed me, solidifying my conviction that we will be guided to a dreamed of future by those most marginalized among us today. I have dreamed it so clearly that I have no regret for not seeing how it turns out. Thank you for bringing me so far along. I am Antifa. I stand with comrades around the world who act from the love of life in every permutation. Comrades who understand that freedom means real freedom for all and a life worth living. Keep the faith, all power to the people. Bella Chow. Here is David Robix with the song John Brown from the album Big Red Sessions. Owen Brown was an abolitionist. John was Owen's son. He grew up in New England. He was born in Torrington. John Brown was a tanner and a man of many skills. He stood up for the workers who toiled in the mills. He stood up for the Indians. He stood up for the women, for the oppressed and the exploited. This good man stood with them. So when Kansas was bleeding, he went and joined the fray. If the slave trade wanted Kansas, the slave trade would have to pay. Riding on the Kansas prairie with a fine and loyal band. Glory. Bible in his hand. Glory, hallelujah. Beecher's Bible in his hand. With 2,000 of New England's best and bravest sons, Captain Brown fought in Kansas with a Bible and a when Free Lawrence was on fire, lighting up the night, the border ruffians would flee. 
John Brown would stand and fight. Lincoln called him a fanatic, and he was a Christian who thought you could do unto others as you'd have others do unto you. Christ said, love your neighbor, and if your neighbor's held in slavery, he was one who felt his duty was to fight to set them free. Then went to bordering Missouri, raided the plantations, no compromise, said he. Broke the chains and shackles, rode at night to Canada. Out of this nightmare, the devil's home, America. He was caught in Harper's Ferry, his family lying dead. They questioned him for hours. As he lay there and bled, they hanged him on the gallows, they laid him in his grave. John Brown was a Christian, and he died to free the slaves. I am a patriot and I love my country. 
was Jackson Brown from the album Monster Protest Jams Volume 1. That was I Am a Patriot. And here from the album A Sing Song and a Scrap is Chumbawamba with Bella Chow. The world is waking outside my window. Bella Chow, Bella Chow, Bella Chow, 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 drags my senses into the sunlight. For there are things that I must do Wish me luck now, I have to leave you Bella chow, bella chow, bella chow, chow, chow With my friends now, up to the city We're gonna shake the gates of hell And I will tell them, we will tell them Bella chow, bella chow, bella chow, chow, chow That our sunlight is not for franchise And wish the bastards drop down dead 
Next time you see me, I may be smiling. Bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao. I'll be in prison or on the TV. I'll say the sunlight dragged me here. Questa mattina mi son svegliato. Oh, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao. Coburn from the album Dart to the Heart. That was Tie Me at the Crossroads. And here is David Rovick's latest podcast this week with David Rovick's. This is Truth, Lies, and Will Van Spronson. Hello. You're listening to episode 50 of This Week with David Rovix, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on various other platforms, which you can learn about at davidrovix.com slash thisweek. This podcast ends with a song I just wrote. 
These podcasts, songs, albums, tours, and everything else I do are made possible by my supporters. Those among you listeners who have joined my Community Supported Art Program, or CSA. If you're able to join the ranks of the 250 or so people who are currently CSA members, this would be immensely wonderful for me and my ability to keep spending most of my time writing songs and columns, recording podcasts and albums, touring and feeding and housing me and my family. You can read about it and join at davidrovix.com slash subscribe. Okay, now to this week's missive. It's been a pretty busy week. It's always a busy week when you have a small child, much more so if you have two of them. And then, along with my wife and teenage daughter, I've been attempting to keep a small cafe going with all the multitude of little tasks this entails for all of us, and it becomes much busier. So this four-day visit to Sweden on my own that I'm currently in the midst of, although it involves two five-hour drives and two concerts, actually feels like a vacation. My two days in between gigs here at an all-ages communist summer camp north of Gothenburg have allowed me a little time not only to spend an evening puttering around the fjord in a boat with my friend Bo, a retired dock worker and dedicated red from Gothenburg, and to hang out with a great bunch of Swedish bluegrass musicians, but to catch up on the death threats on YouTube. Nobody here talks about it, at least no one has brought it up with me, but the massacre in Norway occurred at a left-wing summer camp very much like this one, only a few hundred kilometers away, only eight years ago. I was in Oslo only a couple weeks after that, and I wrote a song about it. Probably because I named the song after the killer, the video got seen by a lot of the killer's fans who had been searching online for other like-minded people, and they were horrified by the content of the song once they discovered it was not in support of mass murder. And there were many comments from people who made it clear that they thought I and all others like me should meet the same fate as those people on the island of Utoya. So something about being at another left-wing summer camp in Scandinavia and receiving multiple death threats on YouTube is unnerving. But of course, they're not really death threats. Or are they? That I deserve a bullet in my head is the popular refrain among a certain crowd. This is the preferred imagery of the week as opposed to a gas chamber or a firing squad, because of what happened last weekend and the song I wrote about it. In the scheme of things, the song is pretty irrelevant to the overall debate, having been heard by not more than a few thousand people. But it's enough of a sample to glean a few things from anyway. It began when I saw an Associated Press report about a man being killed outside of an ICE detention center in Tacoma, Washington. Hours after I saw this report, I started getting messages from friends, acquaintances, and comrades of the deceased from Washington State, mostly saying they didn't know exactly what happened, but that the police report was probably inaccurate, as they often are. Several people wrote to tell me I needed to write a song about what happened, and others just tagged me on Twitter, saying they expected I'd be writing one soon. I had already been working on the song after reading the AP report, or at least working on the initial stages in the process, which in this case is the same basic process as for journalists, gathering more information. I found and read Will Van Spronson's moving statement that he sent to friends before he did what he did, and I listened to much of his music as he was, I learned, a songwriter. His last album was recorded at the studio of a mutual friend in Olympia. I'm sure I was in the same place at the same time as Will on multiple occasions over the course of decades, but I don't recall whether we ever had a conversation. We had many of the same friends, acquaintances, and colleagues. 
What Will did was what so many anti-fascists over the generations have talked about doing, and that many have also in fact done, in so many different scenarios, such as in and around Germany during the Third Reich. He may have had multiple reasons for doing what he did, aside from the obvious one, but that doesn't matter. What he did was he sacrificed his life in order to at least symbolically throw his body into the gears of the machine to maybe stop it from running for at least a few minutes. His intent seems clearly to have been to destroy as many buses as possible before he would be killed. The buses were those used to deport unwanted refugees. Many of these refugees, as we all should know, will be deported to their deaths, as have so many others, since they were actually fleeing, in many cases, because they found themselves on a hit list of one sort or another in their native countries. These sorts of deportations are happening all the time, of course, but what was a bit different about last weekend was Trump's announcement of the raids. We all knew they were coming, and Will acted one day before they were to commence, if ICE had followed through with their plans as announced. I am personally not about to go do something like what Will did last weekend, for a whole lot of different reasons. But it's obvious that the action he took falls into the category of an attempt to sabotage the machinery of deportation, at least temporarily. The consequences of this kind of sabotage are often death, such as when Dutch munitions workers left the gunpowder out of the bullets that, they were, that were going to the front lines of the Nazi war effort in Russia. They were all deported to death camps once their righteous act of sabotage was discovered. I'm sure these Dutch workers were also called terrorists. It was a popular term back then, too, because the Western media had coined the phrase the Nazi terror at the time to describe the atmosphere of fear that Nazi rule had instilled in anyone who wasn't a rabid supporter of fascism. Of course, there were many rabid supporters of fascism back then, too. Many people who thought those munitions workers were, in fact, terrorists who should be sent to death camps for their crimes. If munitions workers in the U.S. sabotaged things at Honeywell like that, and the U and U.S. soldiers ended up dying in Afghanistan as a result, you can be sure there would be many people saying the same sorts of things, and the workers might even meet a similar fate, if not death camps, probably death row. But of course, the U.S. isn't Nazi Germany. Or is it? Send her back, chant the crowds. Pretty much exactly the same chant from the fascist throngs across America that Nazis like Charles Lindbergh and Henry Ford spoke to, saying exactly the same things at a time when my own European relatives were being prevented from coming to the U.S. by xenophobic laws aimed specifically at Eastern and Southern Europeans, the undesirable Europeans. Xenophobic laws passed and enforced over decades, mainly by Democrats, incidentally. We are rapidly moving towards an overtly fascist state. If Trump is elected again, perhaps it's time to get the family out while there's still a chance. But I think it's so important to recognize that the reason we are in this situation is because of generations of misrule by both parties, generations of corruption, generations of the basic needs of the people being ignored or used for political games without ever being addressed. And now a whole generation that is poorer and dying younger than their parents. A skyrocketing housing crisis to add to so many other very real crises. Part of the misrule has been in the form of miseducation, or what the Marxists call false consciousness. 
that the Trump supporters believe Will Van Spronson was a terrorist and that I should also be killed for being an anti-fascist, along with all the other anti-fascists, doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from people who have been told, for generations, by not just the right-wing media, but by the mainstream media, and by their teachers in school, and in so many other ways, that America is a welcoming land for immigrants, the land of opportunity. If people play by the rules, they can achieve anything, and those who don't play by the rules deserve to be punished, and they're up to no good. We are never told about refugees or about the consequences of our country's foreign policy. In fact, we are consistently lied to from most quarters, told our country helps other countries around the world with its foreign aid and in its foreign wars, and we're generally not appreciated for it. Why they chant death to America all over the world every day is never explained. The sources of the resentment are never made clear, but a smokescreen of nonsense about people resenting our supposed prosperity, freedom, and democracy is on constant display, coming from both parties' incessantly flag-waving leaderships, and most corners of the media and educational systems, both public and private. A friend once said in his opinion, ten minutes of truth can counteract twenty-four hours of lies. I believe that that ratio is accurate. But ten minutes of truth cannot counteract forty-eight hours of lies. The ratio needs to be there. It's not magic. Truth isn't infinitely more powerful than lies. It's much, much more powerful, but not infinitely. Reading one book by Howard Zinn can cure an entire year of miseducation in high school, but to cure you of another year of it, you still have to read yet more books to continually seek out knowledge or you will fall victim to the constant disinformation campaigns we are all being assaulted by on a daily basis from so many quarters that it can be very overwhelming and confusing for a whole lot of people. I remain convinced that most of these people who say I should have a bullet in my head are not bad people, but are victims of generations of misinformation, bad education, and propaganda. They seem to think I'm a Democrat, for Pete's sake. They don't know the difference between Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and Fidel Castro, and most of them, in addition to being profoundly ignorant, are also deeply homophobic. I believe if these people listened to my podcast every week, I could change most of them. But they're not going to be doing that. It doesn't work that way. Many of the minority of viewers who posted these sorts of comments had handles that made their adherence to Adolf Hitler clear to anyone who knows what kinds of names fascists like to use online. When it comes to fascists, as you may or may not already know, 88 does not refer to the number of keys on a piano, for example. Of course, I don't know which of them are real people, the same people, intelligence operatives for one country or another, or most likely all of the above. However, for those of you YouTube commenters of any political persuasion who are real people and want to have an actual conversation about politics, history, or Will Van Spronson's motivations, where we listen to each other and refrain from using adjectives or making references to each other's imminent and violent demise, my phone number is in the book. And I won't call you a Nazi if you don't call me a liberal. My fellow Americans and all you other people too, this is David Brovix signing out for this week. In the podcast version of this missive, the song I wrote about Will, The Time to Act, should start playing momentarily. This machine burns buses. When it's 2019, but it feels like 1933. When your eyes are open, when you 
know the history when your parents lived through things that looked so much like this all the indications impossible to miss when you've sought for your whole life to make the earth a better place and you once again see the rising of the master race when you know that they are coming when they announced it in advance when you know for many people this will be their last chance then you may ask the question what can one person do when a time to act is now and now it's up to you but it feels like 1933 when indefinite detention is the new reality for so many children to whom you did not give birth when you see they're just as precious as every other child on earth when they're opening the camps not used since the war where families were imprisoned decades before when Kristallnacht is coming they announced it on the news when the writing's on the wall when you can see the fuse then you may ask the question what can one person do when the time to act is now, and now it's up to you. When it's 2019, but it feels like 1933. When you know rallies aren't helping, and silence is complicity. When you know where the kids are kept, locked inside their cells. When you see approaching the future this foretells. When they're coming for your neighbors. When they even said what day they plan to put them all in buses and take them away. When you know where they keep the buses. You've been to the parking lot. Perhaps a whole lot of petrol bombs is the best move that you've got. And you may ask the question, what can one person do when the time to act is now? This has been episode 50 of This Week with David Rovix. The Time to Act song for Willa Van Spronson can be found on its own in the Broadsides playlists on my YouTube channel as well as on SoundCloud and my Facebook page. Please take a moment to share this podcast with folks if you like it, and once again, if you're able to do so, please consider becoming a member of my CSA at davidrovix.com slash subscribe. If you're in Denmark, my weekly Thursday Thursday song swap at Cafe Hellebeck will resume this coming Thursday, and on Friday I'll be opening the Himmelstorm Festival along with Jens Lustral. And that will bring us to our artist of the episode. The artist of the episode for this episode is The Last Poets. Here's a little bit about The Last Poets from passionvice.com. Since their inception, the last poets have been a constant in black nationalist spoken word and poetry. If Gil Scott Heron is the most popular artist in the spoken word genre, the last poets are the originators. They brought listeners and readers to church every time a new poem came out. It makes Harlem a mecca of black art, righteous black indignation, and a pillar of black worship the ideal neighborhood to birth the last poets. It might not be known as the birthplace of hip-hop like the Bronx, but seeds were actually planted there first. On Malcolm X's birthday, May 19, 1968, at Marcus Garvey Park, the last poets found their calling. The last poets got their name from a Kyurepatisi Kigositseli poem that states that, quote, this is the last age of poems and essays. Guns and rifles will take the place of poems and essays. Therefore, we are the last of the poems of this age. 
Ever since, the last poets, led by Jalal Mansur Nuridin, who died last year, Abiyodin Oyawoli, and later joined by Umar bin Hassan, have lived up to that name and a line, starting with their debut self-titled album and ending with their new album, Transcending Toxic Times. The Last Poets are one of the more captivating spoken word hip-hop groups we will ever see. And here is from the album Chastisement. This is The Last Poets with Before the White Men Came. with only our 
ourselves to blame with memories of the good old years before the white man came. Would know what they reveal. 
The four words above form the last parts of the secrets of the seal and tells how they fool the people into thinking paper money was real. Now Thesaw means the treasury where they store the gold they stole and Amur means to punish like the slaves they bought and sold. Uh, then Septent uh, means seven, uh, like a 1776, uh, when the 13 devils gathered uh, to unleash their bag of tricks. Uh, then Sigil uh, means the images, they've created the fool world, uh, like the colors on Old Glory, the flag that they unfurled. Uh, now reds for the color of the Indian man, whites for the devils who stole the land, blues for the eyes that hypnotize with the tricks and traps they sprung. And even to this very same day, they all speak with forked tongue. And so the power's in the hands of the ruling classes, playing God with the fate of all the masses, so the people don't get any in the land of the plenty, because E pluribus unum means one out of many. And here's a short excerpt from an interview with the black poets, uh, uh, in particular Bin Hassan from the black poets, in Rolling Stone. And question is, when the last poets formed in 1968, it was during the height of the black power movement, as well as a period of widespread civil unrest. How has the group changed as times have changed? As we get older, we realize that it's humanity. It's not just black or white. There's a thing called humanity, all of us. Whether we're black, white, gay, trans, whatever, basically, there's two things we really want. We want to be loved, appreciated, and respected. When I was 20 and 30, I was just crazy. I didn't care about nobody. You know, black this, black that, black forever. I was damaging my own humanity by having such an attitude. But I changed that attitude because there were certain things that attitude was bringing on me and kept me from becoming. Question. Those early 70s poems were very angry. There are some things you guys said that would be considered problematic today, but they were fiery and passionate. Because those were the times. The times were fiery and passionate, and we happened to be just the right source to come forth with that fire and passion. The last poets, you know, we were all young men, 19, 20 years old. What do we know really about the world, about ourselves, America, race relations? Only what we saw on TV and how it came at us and affected us. So that's where that fire and passion came from. We were just hoping to make it real or show it to other people what they're doing to us. Yeah, we made some mistakes, and we said some things that we shouldn't have said. Question. What are your thoughts on the new generation of activists like Black Lives Matter? Man, listen, I'm going to tell you. It's the young people who are going to win America. We had our time. We had our period. But these black kids in Black Lives Matter, these kids who were in that school in Parkland, these young people, they're brilliant, they're smart, they're articulate, they're going to take it home. They're very serious. All we got to do as being elders who are where we come from and what we dealt with is just try to give them some space and give them some room 
so they can work things through. And here from the album Transcending Toxic Times is the title track, Toxic Times. Toxic times. Toxic times. Toxic times. These are toxic times. Shrouded by a veil of chemical waste. We're buying water to stay alive. Air will be sold in containers very soon. And it won't be fresh. Devils are standing behind the pulpit preaching the gospel of sinners. Integrity is an unwanted stranger in our midst. Conversations have become a text or a tweet. The news is the blues, advertising pain and misfortune. Even when the forecast is sunny, it's still a cloudy day. Even though the temperature rises, there's still a chill in the air. These are toxic times. Black girls are disappearing. No one knows where to search. Black boys are being shot down. Protesters are being locked up. Sex has become a perversion. Not even a dog will perform. Children are being molested. Elders are being executed. Diseases are being developed in laboratories. Public schools are prisons for a creative mind. A healer is an enemy of the state. Sickness is profitable. Outpatients roam the street. Homegrown terrorists shoot and stab people at will. And sometimes blow things up. These are toxic times. The White House has become a circus tent. A clown is in charge. Masturbating in public. Mother Nature is upset. Hurling tornadoes and hurricanes at the people and the land. Flattening their houses, flooding their towns. These are toxic times. They say there's a global warming. The homes of the polar bears are melting. The weather is wacky. No rhyme or reason. You can hardly tell the season. Fires across America are raging. Trees and houses are blazing. The smell of death is in the air. Soldiers are fighting a ghost. Children are dying from starvation. The rich get richer is still the situation. There is really only one solution. It's time for a complete revolution. Put your mind, body, and soul in order. That's the only way to stop the slaughter. These are toxic times. Toxic times. Toxic times.
something that we can't cut loose. If the light was on in our minds, we wouldn't just ourselves so much all the time. Stop and realize without skies, we got the power to change what's before our eyes.
And wrapping up our la The Last Poets set, that was If We Only Knew What We Could Do off the album Transcending Toxic Times. Here is the coup and dead prez from the album Party Music. This is Get Up. Dead prez. The coup. People on Where the G's at? Come on. Fuck the police. Hey, y'all ready for this shit? Y'all trunk. Y'all ready to get this bitch crunk? You got to get up right now. Turn the system upside down. It's supposed to be fed up by now. It's cool. Turn the system upside down. Honestly, I'm against this government I ain't got to cover it up, that's what I meant Sick of paying bills and I'm sick of paying rent Seem like I work all the time but don't know where the money went And the funny shit is we supposed to like this shit But all y'all politicians could bite this dick It's a war going on, the ghetto is a cage They only give you two choices, be a rebel or a slave So what you do, I rebel like an ulcer in the belly of the beast, staying true to it Since my whole street days in the blue Buick Niggas been fighting so long, seem like I'm used to it Now what y'all know about how the cool do it? Truth fluid, booth put the funk to it Ain't nothing to it This is for the cheese all the way to the bay From Frisco to Oakland all over you LA got You got to get up, up. Right now. Turn the system
And that will just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can email me at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow at Polyrical on Twitter. You can support this podcast by making a monthly or one-time donation at polyrical.com. You can also hear me record the podcast live on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash unrelatedthings. And here is Grace Petrie off the album Queer as Folk. This is Tom Payne's Bones. Thanks for listening. I can't stop now, child King George is after me He'd have a rope around my throat And hang me from the Liberty Tree Well, I will dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance in the old boots I own To the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones I will dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance in the old boots I own To the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones Well, I only spoke of freedom Justice for everyone Ever since the very first word I spoke I've been looking on the barrel of a gun Well, they say I preach revolution Let me say in my defence All I ever did wherever I went Was talk a lot of common sense I will dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance in the oldest boots I own To the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones I will dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance in the oldest boots I own Tom Payne's bones Old Tom Payne, he ran so fast That he left me standing still There I was, a piece of paper in my hand Standing at the top of the hill It said, this is the age of reason These are the rights of man Kick off religion and monarchy It was written in Tom Payne's plan And I will dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance in the oldest boots I own To the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones Tom Payne's bones, dance to Tom Payne's bones, dance in the oldest boots I own to the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones. Old Tom Payne, there he lies, nobody laughs and nobody cries, and where he goes and how he fares, nobody knows, nobody cares. So I will dance to Tom Payne's bones, dance to Tom Payne's bones. Dance in the oldest boots I own To the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones I will dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance in the oldest boots I own To the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones I will dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance to Tom Payne's bones Dance in the oldest boots I own To the rhythm of Tom Payne's bones